doing today? Loving the weather? Yes. Here's the thing. It is what it is. And right now, it is what I like. And this week's going to be that way the whole week. It's going to be a little bit warmer for a couple of days. We're going to get some rain about Wednesday. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, teens and 20s, possibility of snow in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I know those of you that have been snowbound before don't want to see it come at all. But for those of us that have never been in in snow to speak of, let it snow. Let it snow. Years ago, when our kids were young and really small, we decided that we were going to go to Arizona for Christmas. And Kim's folks lived up close to Flagstaff, about 20 miles out of, outside of Flagstaff, 30 miles outside of Flagstaff. Right? And so we thought, we'll go out there. They lived about 3,800 feet, and we're going to get snow for Christmas. So we drive 1,800 miles. Snowed here on Christmas Eve. <laughs> out there, 85 degrees and sunny. Not a lick of snow. I mean, so maybe this year, I don't know. I don't know, we'll see, but I love cold weather. Uh, I know I probably wouldn't if I lived in it all the time, but I do love it. Um, you know, those of us that, that have a little more insulation on us than others prefer it. So um, anyway, it is what it is. And it is cold, so. Uh, good to see all of you here today. I'm gonna try not, I, I screwed this up so bad last Sunday that Tommy had to come and rescue me at the end of service. And Kim was trying to give me signals because she knew that I had messed it up. And, uh, and so here's the thing, uh, Tommy's already mentioned it, but we will not be having in-person services next Sunday, Christmas day. Uh, and I know some, some of you may be going, well, that's just weird. It's, we're, we're Christians. We should be, we should be celebrating on Christmas day by having church on Christmas day. And, and I, I get that. And if that's something you want to do, there are some places around that are doing that. Uh, I don't know which ones are actually having Christmas services, but what we will be doing on Christmas Eve from 4.30 to 6.30, Christmas evening, uh, we're going to be doing a private, personal family communion with you and your family. And uh, you have to sign up for it. And today is the last day to do that. And now I do need to give you this disclaimer. Um, if we don't get any more folks sign up for this and what we have right now, um, we'll tell you how to take communion at home and, and we just stay home and enjoy the Christmas Eve. Okay. Uh, we got about 20 people signed up, 20 families signed up. We need at least double that before today is over with. So right now, go on your phone, uh, go on to the events tab, sign up for, for candlelight communion. It's going to be a very, very beautiful thing. But we want to make sure that the volunteers that we're bringing out and the staff that's going to be coming out for this evening, that it is worth everybody's while. And so please, please sign up. And uh, if it's not something that you want to do, then I get it. I get it. And, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, we have to be good stewards of all the resources, including our personnel. And so that's why I'm asking you to do this. Um, if you, if, you know, it's the thing. Well, I want to go to a service, Crosspoint. They have 198 services on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I mean, I looked at their sign this week and I'm going, wow, just, tr and they do a good job, but they really do. It's a beautiful time. If you want to do that, obviously you can. There are a lot of other churches around that are doing candlelight services or, or Christmas Eve services. And just uh, if that's what you want to do, but we will be having, if everyone, if we get enough folks sign up, we will be having family, private family, personal communion time with you and your families on Christmas Eve from 4.30 to 6.30. So please sign up today. Um, you know, talking about Kim trying to give me signals, when I first started in the ministry, we were at a little tiny church in Northern Bay County, and the pastor asked me to preach one Sunday night, and I was talking about the loaves and fishes, and you know, the story of the loaves and fishes, right? 
Well, I got the bread and the fish mixed up. I couldn't remember how many fish and how much bread. And my beautiful wife was trying to help me. And she's sitting about three, four rows back and she's giving me hand signals. You know, five loaves and two fish or five breads and whatever. And, and I'm trying to, I'm kind of going, finally I just went, okay, they had some bread and they had some fish. They had some bread and some fish. And, uh, and even last week, they were trying to give me some signals, and, and I just completely missed them. So no in-person service Christmas Day. Watch it online. Uh, and, but we will be having candlelight communion on Christmas Eve. I got that right? All right. Good deal. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, Johnny. <laughs> All right. Today, we're going to end a series on, entitled God Can. We've talked about God can do what I think can't be done. We've talked about God can restore. Uh, last week, I talked to you about uh, God can walk away. And, uh, and so, and I'm, it's good to see a lot of you that, that have grown up in the Baptist tradition come back today, actually. I appreciate that very much. Um, and uh, those of you that, that heard that and, and all of the things that you said to me this week, I appreciate it very much. It was a, it was a difficult message uh, but the deal is that when it comes to biblical literacy and understanding scripture, Tommy's mentioned this, but I just want to reiterate this. We have to understand the word of God and we have to rightly interpret the word of God so that we can live effectively for Jesus in the world. Because what we don't want to do is get to the end of everything and, and, get, and, and find out that we've done it wrong. We don't want to live outside of God's will and way for our lives. Amen. So that was last week. This week, though, we're going to close the series out with God can show up. God can show up. Has anybody ever had anybody just show up at your house unannounced? Just, they just show up. You know, years ago, we had a situation. We used to live over here off, off of uh, Palm Boulevard, just below the college. And, and I was on vacation, and we decided to do a staycation that year. And, uh, and so I was outside doing something, and... and uh, Kim said, Hey, someone's at the door. And so I came in, went through the door and opened the door. And there was an individual standing at our front door. And they said this, they said, well, I called the church and they said you were on vacation. So I decided I just stopped by. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say to that. I know what I wanted to say to that, but I didn't, I didn't. But, and so, you know, and so here's, that's one of those deals where it just, somebody just shows up unannounced. And, uh, and so I thought about this as I was preparing this message today, you know, sometimes God just shows up. He just shows up when you least expect it, you know? And, and so, um, as we look at this, I want to kind of give you a little bit of history before biblical history, before we get into the body of this today. But when you look in scripture from, from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, there's about 400 years that there was just no prophetic voice. It was just silence, nothing. Um, and then after about 400 years, all of a sudden the words that the prophet Isaiah had spoken begin to unfold. As an example, in, in Isaiah nine, verse two, he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned, a light has dawned. And then verse six down the same chapter for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. After 400 years, all of a sudden, there's just, just light. All of a sudden, it's just, there's just light that takes place. There's things that begin to happen, and it's like watching popcorn, if you will. You ever, put, you ever watch popcorn? 
I'm not talking about in the bag. I'm talking about in a, in a pot on the stove. You put it in there, you know, put it, you just sit there and watch it. And just put in the oil, put the corn kernels in there. And all of a sudden, as it gets heat, then pop, 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 pop. And then all of a sudden, just, just pop, and there's popcorn everywhere and grease all over the place and, and everything else. That's kind of what happens after 400 years of silence with Jesus coming on the scene. He just shows up. He just shows up. I mean, angels appearing to people. Did any angels appear in the 400 years previous to that? There's no record of it. We don't, have, we don't have a record of it. We literally have 400 years of prophetic silence. But yet there's angels showing up to people. There's, there's, a, there's a, an angel showing up to a, a, a little, a young girl, 13 to 16 years old and says, hey, by the way, you're going to conceive a child. And, you know, she just kind of goes, I, how's that possible? I'm a virgin. And then the angel explains all of it. And she, and, and she goes, oh, okay. You really, do we, I mean, that, that's kind of how it's recorded, but I wonder if that's really what happened. I mean, I wonder, you know? I mean, she's 13 to 16 years old. Uh, she's got a fiance, but I, I wonder if she might've said something like this. Okay. Okay. She did say, be it unto me as according to your word. That's what she said. But I wonder if she didn't say something else. Like, okay, but you're going to come with me to talk to my daddy. <laughs> I mean, and then we got to go talk to Joe. You know, because this is not normal. This is not normal. But yet all of this stuff is happening. It's like popcorn popping all over the place. After all these years of silence. And every year I do, I do, a, I do a Bible reading at, during the Advent season. There's like 25 days and 26 days, something like that. And I do a, I do a reading and I've been reading one this year. And, and I started, so I looked up, what does Advent actually mean? And here's what Advent means. It means important arrival. Approach, important arrival, approach, or coming. And important showing up. Well, what better thing to talk about today than God showing up? God showing up. The timing of stuff. Luke 2, you see, it's not in your notes, but you can write and you can take a look at it later. Luke 2, the first seven verses is the account of the birth of Jesus. And it says, and it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. The census took place. They went through this whole thing and down toward the end of the, of the, the block of scripture there, it says, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. The time, God, Jesus just shows up. Why? Because it was time for him to show up. It was time. You look through scripture in the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come. Um, when time was fulfilled. All of these things, you see it all through scripture. And every time we look at these things, we see them, but we're thinking in terms of what happens to somebody else usually. We're not really necessarily looking for those things in our life. But in, in, in Eugene Peterson, when he, when he did the message for us, the, the translation called the message or the paraphrase, uh, he wrote this in John 1.14. He said this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God showed up in the form of his son, Jesus, and moved into the neighborhood. He didn't, he didn't stand up in the heavens and shout down from the heavens and go, hey, y'all come up here. 
He came to us. He showed up. He just showed up. Now, there was a lot of fanfare surrounding it, but for 400 years, nothing had been said. For 400 years, there was silence. And then all of a sudden, it just popped. There were the angels and there was all this stuff. And then Jesus just comes and he moves into the neighborhood. And it creates this, this chaos, if you will, in everything that's going on, especially in the first couple of years, because then there's this whole situation of, of you know, the wise men coming and, you know, there was the shepherds and the angels singing and all this kind of stuff. And they're looking for the, the wise men come into the scene. They're, they go to the king. Hey, where can we find this person born king of the Jews? Who are they talking to? The king of the Jews. So what does he do? He decides to kill the baby and all the babies. So in the process of all this, an angel appears again and says, hey, in a dream, you get the kid, get your wife, go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. So all this stuff is happening in the first couple of years of Jesus' birth. They, the wise men weren't at the mangers. I know we do that and it looks really cool in, in the nativity scene, but they weren't there. It was a couple of years. Because it showed up at the house is what it says. And let me ask you a question. It's just a note of trivia this morning. How many wise men were there? How many? <laughs> Three? How do we know that? We assume three because there's three gifts. Well, what if it was two and one of them had a couple of gifts? Or what if it was two people and they brought three gifts? I'm just messing with you this morning. <laughs> but it never tells us how many wise men there were. It just says wise men from the east. And, and plural, so at least two. What if there were ten? I don't know. Let's move on. Let's look at a few other times that God shows up in Scripture. He shows up to Moses at a burning bush. Wow, that's, that's an encounter. That's an encounter. And it wasn't, it wasn't unusual, though, for the, in that region. I read a lot, of, a lot of the culture in the background of that region. In it, and there's a certain type of tree over there that literally just will combust. And so a burning bush is not a big deal in that region because it happens. It's in the desert, it's in the wilderness, it's unbelievably hot. And there are these, these trees, these bushes that'll just catch fire and burn up. Now, I don't want to live in a region like that. <laughs> with just trees just, that's too hot. But yet, there. So what was the big deal about the burning bush? Was it the bush? No, it talked. God showed up in the middle of a bush that was on fire and he spoke. That was what was so unique about that. And then, you know, as, as Moses leads Israel in the wilderness and there's this cloud by day. It's just cloud that leads them everywhere they go. The same cloud every morning they get, there's the cloud. At the end of the day, the cloud goes away, fire, boom. Bunch of fire. At night, the fire's there during the day. What, what is that? It's God showing up to Israel every single day of their life in the form of a cloud or in the form of fire. God shows up. On the night that Christ was born, there's, there's these shepherds in the field, and all of a sudden, they're doing their, their stuff, taking care of the sheep, trying to keep them from wandering off and all this kind of stuff, maybe getting ready to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, there's this light and these angels and singing and everything else. What is that? That's, that well, that's angels. That's God showing up to some shepherds. Who, by the way, were not allowed in town because they stunk. 
Read the culture. Read the culture of the day regarding shepherds. They were, they were literally kind of like outcasts in society because they, they lived, their life was with, with sheep. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around a bunch of sheep. The, fit, the, the real sheep, not, not church people, but the real, the real sheep. <laughs> I can tell you they smell. You get around a bunch of them and they smell. Anybody man, been to a stockyard? Been around pig pen? Not, not the peanuts guy, but I'm talking about a real pen full of pigs. Animals smell. But sheep, and, and so they lived with the sheep and everywhere they went, they literally couldn't go into town and associate with people because they smelled so bad. But yet God chooses to show up to these stinky smelling shepherds and tell them, hey, right over there in that little town, Jesus is born. Go see him. And they go and see him. That's interesting that they're not allowed in town, but they could go into a cave or a stable where Jesus was being born. Why? Because God showed up. God showed up to Mary and Joseph. You know, they heard what the angel said. They, they took it by faith. And now time came for the baby to be born and she gave, born, gave birth to her firstborn, a son wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. God showed up. We move into the New Testament and to the disciples one night, he just comes walking on. They're in a storm in a boat. They're about to be turned over. The boat's gonna sink. They're gonna drown. And Jesus comes walking on the water. God shows up. Three and a half years later in his life as he's moving toward the cross, he enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He shows up to the people of Jerusalem and they are celebrating him and they are proclaiming him as king. Even down to the riding of the donkey. The donkey was a, was a, was a um, donkeys and mules were animals of royalty. We used to, well, you, a king would ride a horse, not, not in ancient times. They, wore, they rode donkeys and they rode, and they rode uh, mules. Jesus comes in on a kingly animal and the people are proclaiming him king. He shows up. The book of Acts, the apostle Paul, before he was called Paul, was called Saul and he's writing and he gets knocked off his animal and God shows up and speaks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? And the first words out of Saul's mouth, he said, is, is who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? God shows up. For you and me in this house today, for every one of us in this house, those watching in your living room, those you're gonna see this on the internet at some later time, for every one of us, God showed up because the book of Romans tells us this. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God showed up. At just the right time, God shows up. He doesn't wait until we're good enough. He doesn't wait until we've achieved some level of holiness in our life. He doesn't wait till we get it right. He shows up while we are still powerless and dies for you and I so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through him when God shows up. But even beyond showing up as our sacrifice on the cross, 
Does he, how does he show up in our everyday lives? I mean, 49 times in scripture, or 434 times rather in scripture, he shows up as Adonai, which means Lord and master. In Genesis 17 and 48 other times, he shows up as El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. In Genesis 22, he shows up as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is my provider. I mean, have you ever been in a situation in your life where you didn't know where your next paycheck was going to come from, where you didn't know how you were going to pay your bills, or you're going to have to buy groceries? You didn't know where you're going to be able to get enough money together to buy diapers and formula for your children? Have you ever been in a place where you needed God to show up as Jireh? Maybe you haven't. I'm, I can tell you, Kim and I have been there. We've been there numerous times in our life, especially in the early years of our marriage. And I've seen it time and time again. We've seen it in our family time and time again where God just shows up out of nowhere with provision. It just shows up. Sometimes it's in the form of just money that comes in the mail. Sometimes, sometimes it's a job, an extra job, or sometimes it's an opportunity to earn some more money. Some, but God is the one that shows up as Jireh. And I, I, something comes to me a few years ago. It came to me a few years ago that, that as our situation changes, the way God shows up in our life changes. Because there was a time when Kim and I were first married that, that, that we needed the Lord, Jireh. We needed God to show up as Jehovah Jireh. As we've gotten older and our financial situation has changed and all that kind of stuff, it, it's not, he doesn't show up that other than the fact that he provides a job for us. Well, why does he still show up? He does, but it's just in a more consistent weekly basis. As our income has grown, we've learned to manage things a little bit better and things like that. And so the miraculous side of that is not necessary. It's interesting to me why we, why, why we want to see the miraculous in our life, in, in, in the lives of the church, but we don't necessarily want to go through the pain of having to need a miracle. Because miracles don't happen if you don't need it. If you want a miracle in your life, that means something's got to go insanely wrong in your life for you to be in need of a miracle. But yet, God provides. In Exodus 15, he is Jehovah Rapha and shows up as our healer. He heals us physically. He heals us spiritually. He heals us emotionally. He heals us in, maritally. He heals us in every way. If we're in need with, for that, then that's how he can show up. That's how he can show up. In Exodus 17, he shows up as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. My banner. I love this in Judges 6. The only time it shows up in Scripture, Judges 6, he shows up as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord, my peace. Now, let me tell you something, folks. If we ever needed anything, anything in history, we need peace right now. We need peace in our country. We need peace in our hearts. We need peace in our lives. We need peace across the board. We need peace. God can show up as Jehovah Shalom. In Psalm 23, he shows up as Jehovah Ra'ah, which means he's the Lord, my shepherd. And that's my shepherd. What does he do? 
He leads me beside quiet waters. As my shepherd, I don't have any needs. I don't have any wants. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they come from me. Surely goodness and mercy. All those things. Why? Because Jehovah Ra'ah shows up as my shepherd. And my shepherd leads me to these places in my life. God can show up. He can show up as my refuge. He's referred to as a strong tower. He can show up as my redeemer. The one who purchased me on the cross. He shows up as my wonderful counselor, my mighty God, my everlasting father, my prince of peace. And he shows up as Emmanuel, God with us. The word becomes flesh and moves into the neighborhood. God shows up and God is with us. God is with us. But above everything else, here today, but of everything else, he shows up as my Savior and my Lord. Above everything else, as my Savior and my Lord. So if I can say anything to you this morning, as we move into this last week leading up to Christmas Day, this Christmas, look for him to show up. Look for him to show up. The problem, the problem with Israel was that they were looking for something other than the way God showed up. They were looking for a conquering king coming in on a white steed, but yet he came as a baby in a manger. And so many people missed it because they weren't looking for God in the small things. They weren't looking for him in the tiny things. They weren't looking for, they were looking for the big pump and circumstance. Just like the prophet in the Old Testament, it was all along, he'd been complaining to God and God took him out to the edge of the cliff and there was a storm, there was an earthquake and there was lightning and there was thunder. God, mighty wind, God was not in any of those things. And finally, finally there was a gentle whisper and it was the voice of God. Don't go into this Christmas season expecting God to show up in some huge way. Just be open to the possibility of him showing up in some small way. That way, if he does show up huge, you can embrace that as well. But we can be looking for the big and miss the still small voice. So this Christmas, in the middle of the hustle and bustle, in the middle of all the stress and the strain of getting everything done that you've got to get done, in the middle of the shopping and the parties, in the middle of the lights and all the tinsel and all the beautifully wrapped presents, in the middle of watching the joy on the faces of your kids and your grandkids, even in the middle of your grief and your pain, in the middle of your loneliness and loss, in your whatever it is, God can and will show up if we will just look for him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. And yes, it's... 1052. I think the most interesting name that God uses in Scripture for Himself is what He told Moses to tell Pharaoh. 
When Moses said, who do I say? He said, you tell him, I am has sent you. Because here's the thing about I am. You can follow it up with whatever you want to. I am. He can show up in my life. The I am can show up as I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your source. I am everything that you need. And that's the message of the day. That's the word for today. He will show up as anything that you need if you and I will only look for him. Amen? Amen. Well, let's take your communion out this morning. Take your elements out. Lord Jesus, this little piece of bread that we're holding this morning represents who you are to us as healer. Your body was beaten and bruised and battered. And the prophet tells us that it is by those stripes that we are healed. That we are healed this morning. Now all over this house, keep your eyes closed and just hold your breath because here's what I want to tell you today. How many of you in this house this morning, you need God to show up as healer? If that's the case, raise it as high as you can. I need God to show up as healer in my body. Lord Jesus, you see every person here today. You see them with their hands raised. You see those in their living rooms this morning. They're in the same situation. They're not here because they need you as healer. So today, Jesus, as we eat this bread together and we give you thanks for it, we also know that you are and you will show up in our life as Jehovah, our healer. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Shall we eat together? And Jesus, we proclaim this morning as we eat that it is by those stripes that we are healed today. In Jesus' name. By faith, receive that into your bodies today. Receive that into your bodies today. The same way, Jesus, we take the cup that you did that night. And we bless it. And we honor the blood that washes away every stain of sin in our life the forgiveness, the redemption that you purchased for us. You are showing up in our life as Redeemer. And we honor it. Shall we drink together? Now all over this house, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. I just want to speak this over every one of you before Tommy comes. This is just a, a blessing as we close out this year and we usher in the new year. Now may the Lord bless and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace this Christmas and in the coming new year. And we all said amen. Amen.